take your Bible with me as we say the Bible decree this morning here at our church. We love the Word of God. The Word of God is the basis for who we are, what we believe, our Christian walk, and our Christian life. So we're proud to have your iPod, your iPhone, your Samsung, your whatever you might have, you grab it. If you don't have a Bible, we've provided one for you uh, underneath the seat. You can grab it and follow along. But if you'll take it with me, hold it nice and high. We'll say this together. This is my Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. And I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Hallelujah. Take your Bible, if you would, and turn to John. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we'll be looking at chapter 4. John chapter 4, 5 through 30. And today's message is, One Woman Could Change the World. Now, I want to say this as I get started here today, that in this text, the gospel shows some astounding characteristics of Jesus. And he was talking to a Samaritan woman, holding a conversation with her, and this was unheard of for rabbis to do. This was just not customary. It was not done. So at this time, if if the kids have not left, and I think I saw them take off out of here, they are dismissed to head back to Children's Chapel. And... um, But when Jesus said to her, give me a drink, her reaction was typical, astounding what? You, a Jew, ask a drink from a Samaritan woman? One of the most remarkable movements of modern times is Alcoholics Anonymous, or AA, a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, who share their strength, and who share that they might solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. Although it is not affiliated with the organized or any type of organized religion, AA was founded on Christian principles. And its success has spawned various other programs such as Narcotics Anonymous and Overeaters Anonymous. A striking feature of AA is the degree to which social barriers are broke down. And you're saying, Pastor, this is Mother's Day. Where are you leading? Are we at an AA meeting this morning? Not right now, but you might be. AA meetings are attended by, what, diverse groups of people who would not normally associate with each other. And if you were to attend an AA meeting, you could well end up sitting between a current member of parliament, local government, And someone who has just been released from prison or between a person who is a household name and someone who has spent the last few years maybe even living under a bridge. You would meet people who are very different from each other and yet have all been outcasts in their own individual ways. This is one of the organization's strengths. Instead of looking for differences, members look for similarities to avoid judging each other. Nowhere is the more miraculous, nowhere is it more miraculous than in strife-torn countries where people who would have otherwise been enemies have found common ground in an AA meeting. There was a story that I want to share with you that I thought was very profound. And for many of us, we hold so many prejudices and we're so... uh, when it comes to minority groups, we're very judgmental. There was a Muslim alcoholic who attended his first AA meeting in Israel. 
The other members of the group were all Jewish, but there was no ill feeling between them. And the Jewish alcoholics welcomed him with open arms, found him an Arabic copy of the AA Big Book, and helped him take his first steps toward being sober. For all of them, AA was a haven away from suicide bombings and counter strikes and a place where they could accept each other for who and what they were. In AA, there are no barriers of gender, there's no barriers of class. Or no barriers of race. And the unity and diversity that results helps members to achieve their primary purpose of staying sober and helping other alcoholics to achieve the same result. The church should be the same way, a place where sinners come and are forgiven and loved. And I'm just going to incorporate this because as we were remodeling this facility, and it's great to have uh, week number here in our new facility one of the things that that really moved me was that as my wife put the pews on a website a man responded and I could tell by his name that he was not of our culture and you know I struggled within my spirit because these were pews where people were saved and lives were changed and, and at one point I found myself not wanting to even give them a pew But yet, like Jesus, I was also reminded that there are people we come across in life that for many of us would say are undesirable and we would not accept in the norm, in the natural. And yet we have a great responsibility, church, and that responsibility is what? To bring freedom to people through Christ, through hurts, through habits, through all the struggles, you have life. And so when I say that, I'm saying this, that as they came here, I knew that his name was not Mike. His name was like Manachned, Mumali, blah, blah, blah. And so I wrote it in my phone. And as he came in, he said, what's going on here? Oh, you never ask a pastor what's going on. (laughs) He will hold you captive forever and ever. Amen. So I had to tell him some God stories. And his other brother, Mike, he was Mike, 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 because they all had different names. So they all went by Mike. Some of you saw this and you witnessed this, that they came in and the one brother, they were trying to load a pew up and then they came back. Oh, I was so glad that they came back because what I had the great opportunity to do was to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I was able to tell him the hope that is found in his Savior, the Messiah, and his name is Jesus. See, look at race or religion. Many of us will look at a status of someone and put them down. Many of us can say in this room, maybe as a mom, I failed in some area of my life. And this is the way my kids look at me or they view me. And maybe in your life, People have viewed you in light of maybe your past, but I'm here to tell you today, you are forgiven. And God loves you. And, and God sent his son to die on a cross to give you life. And so as that man was in here and we stepped outside the foyer, I said, I need to ask you a question. Are you Muslim? He said, yes, I am. And I said to myself, oh, this is terrific. 
Most people would say, get out of here. But I said, could you tell me what you think of Jesus Christ? And he proceeded to say, well, we believe that he was a prophet. And I proceeded to say, okay. And when he was done, I was able to quote John 14. I was able to tell him that no Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That no man can come into the Father but through him. And he was so, he said, you know, I find Christianity so interesting. I said, but if you live Christianity and you come to know who he is, it becomes who you are and your life gets better. You see, in other religions, people become bitter, not better. You see, because their message is a message of no hope. Where we have a gospel message of hope. And where do we get that from? We get that from the text out of John 4 where Jesus considered a woman who had flaws and who had some some areas of sin in her life. And yet, in the midst of all this, Jesus loved her. But we can't do that. We want to say, welcome. We're going to have a time of shaking hands today. But you came into this church and you've already judged. And can I ask, are you guys a little chilly in here? I thought so. And so, (laughs) Roger, I feel the same way. But can we turn the air off? Off. But I just want everybody to know that Easter weekend, the air was not working. And I would like to give a round of applause to the guys. That got our air conditioning working. Hallelujah. Because I was the guy that was up here in a packed house and I was roasting. But thank you. And all of you will now probably become very, very tired because it will warm up in here. But if I see you start to drift, I will do my best to shout as loud as I can and bring back that old minister type preaching this morning. Anyhow, just kidding. I I want you to be comfortable in here. And that's my number one goal. Back to the text. And so we find that even here in the text, there was a woman who had some issues. Some of you came in here today and you have some issues. But I'm here to tell you that I don't care about your issues. And the people around you don't care about your issues. Because you see, the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And it says, as by one man sin entered into the world, so death was passed upon all men. For that, every single person has an issue. So the woman at the well, this Samaritan lady, I was so impressed with because I said she's like every mom in America. And I know many times we come up here and we preach messages of Proverbs 31. Oh, she's such a virtuous woman. She's a godly woman and blah, 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 blah. But I'm finding that more and more in life that that's a pattern for us to live our life by. However, we have to realize that our past situations, sinful life, have made us who we are today. And yet, here there's a message of hope through Jesus Christ. So, as I look at our church, I kind of compared it with an AA meeting. Hi, my name is Todd, and I'm a sinner. Hey, thanks. You did that right on cue. I'm glad we practiced that for a few. No, we didn't. And, uh, but there's no, there should be no barriers because we're all sinners. We've all fallen short. 
And if you're here today and you feel like that you've let your family down, then you stand tall and say, today's a new day for me. Because this is my new beginning. This is where I'm going to stand up. I'm going to be strong because my past does not determine my future nor my present. It's Jesus Christ who determines who I am. And I'm thankful that even in my own life, I feel the same way. When Jesus spoke with the woman at the well, she was shocked. The last thing she would have expected would have been for a Jew to speak to her. Or to any other Jew, as a matter of fact. She would have been a complete outcast. But more importantly, this story also shows the effects that Jesus has on just one person. And so I want to look in this text this morning in John chapter 4, verses 5 through 30. And here's what it reads. And I'm going to read out of the King James Version this morning, and uh, I want you to follow along. And uh, here's, where, here's where we're at, verse 5. Then cometh to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, and there to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, there, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well. And it was about the sixth hour. And there came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy some food. Then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it thou, being a Jew, ask, Drink of me? I'm a woman of Samaria. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that says to thee, Give me to drink, you would have asked of him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From when then hast thou that living water? And what's he saying is, and so where do I get the living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? In verse 13, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus said unto her, Go call your husband and come hither. He said, Go get your husband and come back. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Oh, you have said that well. I have no husband. For you see, you have had five husbands, and he whom thou now has is not your husband. And that was the truth. The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said unto her, Woman, Believe me, the hour comes when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Your worship, you know not what. We know not what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And the woman said unto him, I know that Messiah comes, which is called Christ, which he has come, 
He will tell us all things. Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. He said, I am him. I am the grace. I am. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and said unto the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? And they went out of the city and came unto him. And the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Has any man brought him ought to eat? Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish the work. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the next few minutes. Father, bless your word. Father, thank you for your people here today. Help us all to be encouraged to know that you came to love and you are love. And so, God, we thank you that we have mothers here today that exhibit love. Thank you that even here today I get to experience having the ladies in my life that have been great role models in my life. To be able to, to exhibit that same love and support. Father, I thank you for my moms that are here today. I thank you for my wife. And I thank you for those that are here with us, Father. As we all want to be better, we don't want to be bitter. And Lord, we ask that you'll hide me behind the cross as I share the word this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. She went to the water well to draw water. And after meeting Jesus, she rushed back to the village, forgetting the very purpose for which she was there. She even left behind the bucket of water. How many of you guys get distracted? I know I do. I get distracted. You know, I love Dr. Gary Chapman. He says this. Dr. Gary Chapman says there's women have five sensors. Men have one. Ladies, I'm going to teach you something today in marriage class 101. Please don't talk to your husband if he's doing something. He can only handle one thing at a time. He's not mom. Okay. So what you do is you tell him, can I have your undivided attention? And if he says, well, I'm down here in this kind of engine, what you need to say is, I need to talk to you. Can we talk? That's when he says again, I'm down here in this engine. <laughs> you need that eye contact because they'll remember. We all get distracted. And yet, how many of us would get distracted of the bigger picture if we allowed Jesus Christ into our life? All the minor things in our life that seem to be such big mountaintops become this big when Christ comes into our life because he's that big. You see, we limit the power of God. We don't allow him to form us, to shape us, to remake us, to be who God created us to be, to fulfill our God-given destiny because we're so distracted. So, ladies, I understand that in this test, Dr. Gary Chapman has, you know, sold the five love languages, and he sold over millions and millions and millions of copies. But I get that it says we have five sensors. But that day, that woman at the well, her five sensors collapsed because she met the Messiah. She forgot what she was doing. She met the one who was God's only son, the one that came to save God's people. 
She was so overcome by her experience and was in such a hurry to share what she had learned with others that she left behind the water. What she did can tell us so much about our own Christian experience and how Jesus can affect and transform our lives. First of all, her experience began with being confronted with her very self as if she was looking into the mirror of her very soul. You see, Jesus told her about her life, the good and the bad. As if he had known her all her life. And so she saw herself as she really was. You see, she knew who she was. She didn't have any, she didn't need reminded. Do we all need to be reminded of what we've done, where we've been at, what we've gone through? No. But Jesus loved her. And when Jesus comes into your life, there's a change. The Bible says old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Old things are passed away. And boom, just like that, you start to begin to grow. The seed from within starts to take on new life, a new beginning, a new shape. Mom, if you're here today and you've been holding on to the past, let me help you. Say this with me. Let it go. See, it's easy. Grow in Christ. Reach your God-given destiny. Become what he has created you to be. Peter had a similar experience when he first met Jesus while he was working as a fisherman. And he could say, all he could say to Jesus was this. Oh, depart from me. You see, Jesus, you don't want me, for I am a sinful man. But Jesus saw into his heart and told him to follow him and become a fisher of men. So what did this woman at the well experience? What made her change her life for the better? What did she tell her neighbors and friends? She was staggered by Jesus' ability to see into her heart and probably even embarrassed. Jesus was talking and understanding her. He did not condemn or criticize what he saw. He treated her as a human being. Don't forget, she was a Samaritan and a woman of a suspicious lifestyle, a style of life for which the Jews would condemn her to death by stoning. But that did not matter to Jesus. He sees into her heart. He sees into our heart. He loved her and he still Loves us because he sees beyond the sin in her life and realizes those potential in her for doing good. And this is what encourages her. So that the good in her can overcome the evil. Her first instinct was to share her discovery with her friends and family and her neighbors. It is this very desire to tell others that killed in her the feeling of human shame. She was an outcast, not just of the Jews. Her way of life would have been totally unacceptable by everybody in the village. By drawing water from this distant well outside the village shows how much she tried to avoid her neighbors. Why? She was ashamed of herself and wanted to avoid being rebuked and spurned aside by her neighbors. Have you been there? Have you felt that feeling of shame, of embarrassment, 
And I hear people tell me all the time, I came to know Christ. But since I came to know Christ, I don't want my family to know. They'll think I'm a hypocrite. Oh, so you found Jesus. I'm here to tell you, church, that's a lie from hell. When you have a story to share, you tell that story with other people. You see, I started off today by saying there were no, no walls, no obstacles in AA. What's the comparison here? Is that Jesus was teaching her, it doesn't matter to me. You need to know who my father is. And so right then, as she realizes what he was saying, it wasn't about the physical H2O, the water in Jacob's well. It was all about coming to know who Jesus was, that he is and was the Messiah. And so she goes back and she has to tell everybody who she just met, what just took place when she went to get water at the well. Look at what I was and look at what I am now. This is what Jesus has done for me. There's excitement and it is the same for every one of us. Jesus sees into our hearts and he sees the potential that we have for doing good. And it is this that he encourages. Jesus welcomes us with what? With open arms. Never forget that throughout his ministry, he never turned anyone away. You don't have to walk away empty because there's life in Jesus Christ. Jesus welcomed everyone. It didn't matter who they were or what they had done. And we see this very clearly in the incident of the Samaritan woman at the well, the well of life. It says in John 4, 14, that she came to this well and he is the life. And we have to come to him to realize that John 14 says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. It also says in verse 38 of John chapter 7, He who believes in me, like the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And Jesus offers us all the water and gushes up to eternal life so that we shall never be thirsty again. So surely, our prayer must be with this Samaritan woman, Lord, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty again. And I'm here just to tell you today that, listen, Mom, you have great potential. I realize maybe some hurts, some habits, some hang-ups that you have. But we can come in here and say that you exhibit all of the qualities of a Proverbs 31 woman. And many of you would shake your head and say, here comes another pastor, the Mother's Day message. But I'm here to tell you today that God wants to free you. He wants to save you. He wants to make you anew through his son, Jesus Christ. Will you come to him? Will you believe in him? And so, listen, men in this room, teenagers in this room, you have great potential. Let go and let God start to form you and reshape you. Do you receive it this morning? As I close this morning, first,
God reaches out to people regardless of race or class. It says in verse 9 there, if you look, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. First, we read that Jesus talked to the woman asking her for a drink. Scholars say that Jews don't associate with Samaritans, especially men. Jews to Samaritan women. It was unheard of. Jesus broke culture by reaching out to this particular woman. Because he had a purpose for it. So by this, we learn that God's love is not bound by human tradition, culture, or even practice. It will work its way in and through human life. Second, this morning God knows our sin and failings, our shortcomings, and wants to reveal himself to us as though the only one who can save us. Verses 25 and 26, it says, The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. Who is called Christ? When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. See, prior to this verse, we read that Jesus knew the woman and spoke to her of her faults without condemning her. And later we read... We read Christ revealing to the woman that he is what she and the whole world have been waiting for. The Savior. Here we see that God knows who we really are and we can't hide it from him. But instead of hating and condemning us for our sins, he chooses us salvation, grace, and mercy to each and every one of us. But here is key to this whole story. While he wants us to admit our sins to him, he does this so that he could forgive us and make us righteous in Christ. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we shall confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us our sins and to do what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He wants us to be open to him. And with all of our failures, with all of our faults, for he is the one who can save us, change us, and heal us. And then last this morning, we could say God changes our story and gives us a new life for his glory. In verse 39 it says, Many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I've ever done. He told me all that I ever did. I have to say this part of the story makes me cry and somewhat is an emotional part to the story. A woman who is believed to be an outcast for having multiple partners. Hence the hot time of the day she would fetch water at the well. The only time she could be by herself without anyone looking down on her. She was the first person to meet Christ and to testify about him in her city. And they believed. Do you hear me? And they believed. 
I started off this morning by showing you the correlation. If we're going to see people saved and lives changed, we have to accept people in the natural. Not by what you think they should be or what you think they ought to be by who they are. My sister is a social worker. She deals with people. And in that setting of a counselor, her job is to pour into people's lives. And soon she'll be pouring into children's lives. Her goal is this, so that she can help them to flourish, to blossom, to help them to be all that God created them to be because of all the sin of their life. And because of the ridicule and the put-down, they've come to a place at 6, 7, 8, 13, 16, 18, 19, whatever age it is, because of what has happened in their life and the scarring and the wounds that, that they have. sad part is, they're there for that reason, so that she can give them hope. Oh, church, I'm here to tell you today, that we as a church need to come together. And mom, I'm here to tell you today, you rally around one another. Don't you let what other people say to you, about you, determine who you are. Amen? Receive it today. This past week, and I'll end with this story, that, that this young man, I put out on one of my Facebook pages for those that are guests here today. We own the Jane Nicole Custodial Company as well. I have had for 24, 25 years. And so I put on our, our Facebook page that we're hiring somebody. And, um, and so with that being said, I, um, we, we received a response from a gentleman who said, are you hiring? And I said, yes. And I've had the great opportunity and privilege to be able to have him work with me this week. And I knew that as soon as I saw him and I knew the walk that he'd been through, it didn't what mattered most was that he saw Christ in me. Oh, I told him, you know, I made up my mind. I told my wife, I said, oh, when we get in the, when I go and pick him up, because he can't drive. And I said, when I pick him up, I just want to be a light and a witness. Well, we get to talk and next thing you know, led to this thing that... It's hard for a minister not to talk about Jesus. So I think we made it a half a mile down the street and Jesus came up in the topic. I tried. I really, really tried. And he turned and he said, so what church do you go to? I go, New Hope. He goes, oh, New Hope. I've heard of that. Well, where's that at? I said, right up the street from you. He goes, wait a minute. I still hadn't told him that we were that I was the minister there, the pastor. I still haven't because I'm still witnessing to him. And so I said to him, I said, oh, we're on Southeast Avenue. Oh, where the new sign's at. He only lives right up the street here. We're actually his neighbor. And so we've been able to work. You know, I picked him up the other night and picked him up yesterday, did a great job. We're becoming great friends He's the most respectful man. I'm, I'm telling you, even my wife said it yesterday. He says, yes, sir, no, sir. 
Thank you. You're welcome. But here's the clincher to the story. Here's exactly what took place. They said, tell me about your past. He said, oh, my mom and dad, they gave me up. I go, what? He goes, I didn't even know my dad. My mom gave me up. And I go, okay, that's all right. I mean, who raised you? He goes, my grandmother. My grandmother was very, very special to me. And I said, was she? He goes, yes, she was an amazing lady. Just loved me, cared for me, was just an amazing role model. I said, isn't that great to have a grandma in your life that's like that? There's so many grandmoms that are around that are just like that. And he said, yes. As a matter of fact, when she passed away, I was just a little guy. And he said, you know, I'll never forget just that moment of loss that I felt and abandonment that I felt and just loneliness. And I said, where am I going to go? Now I'm in the system. And, you know, I didn't really like my grandpa and the abuse that took place from my grandpa to my my other loved one. Oh, it was just it was awful. And I said. So what brought you to this place today? He said, well, you know, my and I said, well, first of all, how old are you? We're the same age. And he said, well, all the years that I lived with my grandmother, my uncle's always told me, you're pathetic. You'll never make it. You'll be one of the numbers. You'll end up in jail. There he goes again. He'll probably be incarcerated. And I sat there and I said, listen to me, brother. I have something to tell you. You are anointed. You are highly favored. You are amazing. You are awesome. God knew the track that you would be on, and you are of value to him. You are a child of the most high God, and everything that you ever heard when you were a little dude, you rebuke it. They're the ones with the problem. And so today, we're driving down the road. You're going to claim that today's my new day. Today, it doesn't matter if grandmom is around, if my mom isn't around. It doesn't matter. What matters is that Christ is around. So he worked with me yesterday, and some of you will love this because we've done some ministry work at this place. And so he takes off his shirt, and I, I turn and I went, Jesus said, he goes, yeah, I've, I've participated with Jesus said in downtown Akron feeding. How many of you were with us when we went to Jesus said ministries? And, uh, and so by, by being a part of that, I loved it because he went to a place where he was accepted. Church, you're sitting today, maybe with a loved one, maybe with your mom, maybe with your grandma, mamma, mima, whatever you all come up with. I'm going to have a simple name, and I told my wife that. It's just going to be Grand Dude. I mean, Grandpa. I said, I'm not coming up. Some of you are Pat, 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 Paul, Poppy. I run out of names. But I know it, it kind of gets adopted as that little child starts to speak, and they, they adopt those names. But you have a great responsibility, as I have a great responsibility to go to the well where the run where the water and the well never runs dry his name is Jesus and that same spring that is there for, to overflowing should be the same thing that each one of us exhibit into the lives of our family members 
and into our loved ones. So this Mother's Day, let's put aside everything that maybe we've heard, everything that we went through. And as I told this man that God placed in my life, remember this. You are a winner. You're not a whiner. You are a victor. You're not a victim. You are a child of the Most High God. You are highly favored. Stand tall. Claim your past and help spread the gospel to those in the future. That's what Christianity is about. Would you receive that today? Do you hear that today? God loves you. Let's rise to our feet. Father God, we love you and we thank you so much that, Lord, today we realize that our past does not define our future. Father, we thank you that you sent your son to to give us a story of hope. And, Father, there's days I feel tired and weary. And even the peer pressure that I had to go through as even a young man still haunts me to this day. And yet, God, I know that words do not form who I am. Only you do. And so, Father God, I come to the well where there's life. And so, Father, today I come to you. Lord, as I come to you, Confess who I am, a sinner, saved by your grace. Thank you for your saving grace. Father, thank you for this story. Because even in this story, we missed one important factor. If this woman had so many men in her life, the question is, how many kids did she have? But yet, Father, you saw her potential. You saw that this was a woman who believed that she could see. So, Lord, help us to believe in what we cannot see and to believe in what we have experienced and seen in our own life. God, help us to walk in you and to talk in you. God, if there's somebody here today does not know you as Lord and Savior. If they'll just say this with me, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I'm just like the woman at the well. Please forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me from all the unrighteousness in my heart and in my life. Thank you that you came to die to give your life for me. You rose the third day give me life and I accept you into my heart and into my life for you are the Messiah the resurrection the truth and the life and all God's people said